Leslie, thank you so much. <laughs> Don't you love it when Leslie comes to sing for us? Well, <laughs> Leslie comes to sing for God. We just get to enjoy. I put that wrong. Didn't I? <laughs> I, I love greeting you when you come in and trying to shake everybody's hand. Uh, I was most impressed this morning. There's three young men, and I'm not. They win the present, the prize for coming to furthest to church. There's three young men here on holiday from the Netherlands, and they are. They came to church today. They didn't have to do that. Speaks highly of those three young men. Today we're going to wrap up our study of the senses. In the past several weeks, we've talked about what we see and how we interpret what we see, being careful with what we hear, what we taste, last week what we touch. And this week has been the most difficult one to find the right direction to go in. What does the Bible say about smell? Where are we going? I've struggled with this one, but we'll get through it. Smells can be very good to us. Do you have a favorite? You, now's your time to talk to church. It's okay. Is, is there a favorite smell that you have? Food. 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 I thought about chocolate chip cookies or bread baking in the oven or a burger on the grill. I'm going to stop or you're going to run out because you'll be hungry and I won't get too far away from that. I've jotted down a few of those. Smells can be very bad as well, and I won't make you list those. <laughs> uh, but skunks, we had skunks in Indiana near our house. Uh, expired food in the refrigerator. And I don't know why Jeannie will get me after she smells it to, for me to confirm that it's bad. <laughs> why do y'all do that? It's bad, throw it out. Don't get me to come smell your bad food. <laughs> Babies can smell both good and bad. Don't you love a good baby smell? When I hug my children or my grandchildren, when you hug somebody you love, you ever smell to add to that experience? So what's the Bible say about this? Well, a lot of scriptures came to mind. The first one that I thought of was the story of Lazarus. And you remember the fear of the smell in the story? We're not going to read the whole story, but just enough to get to where we are. Lazarus has died and Jesus has delayed coming on purpose, of course. And Lazarus is indeed dead in the tomb. And I pick up the story in John chapter 11, beginning in verse 32, where it says, when Mary one of Lazarus' sister, you remember Mary and Martha. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would never have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? 
And then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb, and it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And this is the part of the story about the smell. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there's a stench because he's been dead for a day. <coughs> so I thought of that story because of Martha's statement. Not a good idea to roll that stone away because, well, he stinks now. Martha had faith. Earlier in the story, she told Jesus in verse 21, she said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. Mary said the same thing in verse 32 that we just read. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. So they had faith. But was it enough to believe that there was reason to roll the stone? Was their faith that big? We can talk about that, their faith if we want to, but what really stinks in the story is the attitude you see in verse 37. The mourners there, those that had gathered, some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? That's interesting, isn't it? What they're really saying is that something is wrong with Jesus. That he's limited in what he can do. Yeah, he can fix the eyes, but if you're dead, he can't do anything. That's where they're going with this. That kind of faith stinks. I've seen it. You've seen it. We've all perhaps had it at times. When our faith limits Jesus, when our faith is small, we miss out on so very much. We don't pray the way we should. We don't live the way we should. We don't give the way we should. We don't come, become who we should become. We don't impact the world the ways that we should impact the world. So there's another story in the next chapter of John that involves Mary and Martha and Lazarus once again. Beginning in verse 1 of chapter 12. Six days before the Passover. Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. And there they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard and anointed Jesus' feet, and then wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii, the money given to the poor? John gives a little commentary in verse 6. He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put It's interesting, the families involved, again, in one of the scriptures that you would go to think about when you think about smells in the Bible, but this time it's good. In your imagination, can you smell, smell the perfume? Such a powerful gift that God has given to you. There's quite a contrast about faith in the story. Generous Mary and greedy Judas. You might say that she was a fragrant offering to God and he was 
stinker. Scripture lets us know then about that. That God smells our lives too. To God, we are either a fragrant offering or a stinker. And it has nothing to do with our colognes or whether we took a shower this morning. In the Old Testament, at the very beginning, look at Genesis chapter 8, beginning of verse 20. This is after Noah and his family depart from the ark. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And look at verse 21. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing odor, the Lord said in his heart, I'll never again curse the ground because of humankind. For the inflation of the human heart is evil from youth, nor will I ever destroy every living creature as I have. But God smelled the offering that Noah gave. We think a lot about God seeing things. Let me ask you a question. It's a dollar bill whether you can see that or not. I don't know. Can God see that, you think? Yes or no? Alright. I'm going out on a limb here. You think God knows the serial number on this dollar bill? Really? You think He knows who had it before me? You think he knows where, what I'll use it for? You think he knows the tree that it came from? You think he can smell every bird that landed in that tree that this dollar bill came from? We don't really associate God with smell. But he does. And he can. And Genesis 8 tells us that he did. At least 40 times in the Old Testament, we read of God smelling the sacrifices of the people. According to Scripture, though, God smells us. The aroma or the stench that we put forth because of our efforts. 2 Corinthians 2.15 says this, For we are the aroma of Christ to God. Among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Among everybody. We are the aroma of Christ to God. That's an interesting choice of words, isn't it? Paul could have chosen other ways to say it. He could have said, we are light of the world. That was used before. Or we are salt of the earth using taste. But aroma of Christ. Maybe Paul was thinking about sacrifices here of the Old Testament and his Jewish upbringing and trying to follow the law. And he connected us to that. What would you rather be known as to God? An aroma or a stink? Aroma sounds better, doesn't it? In the days of the prophet Amos, the nation of Israel was taking God for granted and just going through motions and living lives contrary to what they were supposed to do. And look, but they still went to church. They still gathered together and just did it out of habit. Look what God says about this in Amos 5.1. I hate 
I despise your festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Well, that's not a good description of an assembly, is it? Not at all. Worship is to be beautiful and fragrant, and it is when we are prepared and engaged. But if we're going just through motions, or have ulterior motives, there's a stench. This is just a brief aside here, but God smells our efforts every day. Let me explain. Scripture, in fact, tells us that we are offerings to God, like an Old Testament offering, really, and He checks us out with His sight, which is smell every day. Romans 12, 1 and 2, look at this. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind that people find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So Scripture teaches we're to be a living sacrifice, one that He finds acceptable. One that when he smells what we're doing, it smells good. I have good news. If you have had a mistake about you, today is a new day. When Jewel Durrance came in, and it's been a while, and she knew me when I was seven years old. I'm a little different than I was at seven years old. I hope. You ever been described as a little stinker? That's almost a cute description, isn't it? Would you want to be described as an old stinker? There's my friend, he's a middle-aged stinker. You don't want to describe anybody like that. We can grow out and with Christ in our lives. We do. Remember David, the shepherd boy who became king once really fragrant, but he had a time in his life, well, when there was a stench. The Bathsheba story, the adultery, the murder, the cover-up, the deception, the scheming. He was confronted and repented and was restored to his fellowship with God. David wrote these words found in Psalm 141. It's a good prayer. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting of my hands as an evening sacrifice. David knew that God was watching every aspect of his life and he wanted to make sure that everything he did would pass even the smell test with the offering he gave off in his life. David understood God was judging and watching and smelling. He really prays that he'll be a fragrant offer. I am too. For my life and for yours. So some encouraging words about smell from Ephesians. You didn't know there was much in the Bible about smell, did you? Some encouraging words from Ephesians 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering 
and sacrifice to God. I love it that many of us, likely all of us, in this room once were stinkers, but now as living sacrifices, we can be fragrant offerings. That's our job. Let's pray together.